Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. On today's episode, I had the great pleasure of having Dr. Paul Anderson on the podcast. Uh, Many of you know him. Uh, For those of you who don't, Dr. Anderson is is a recognized educator and a clinician in integrative and naturopathic medicine with a specific focus around complex, if infectious, chronic, and oncologic illness. He's been in the industry for about three decades, and he has also been the head of interventional arm of the uh, United States-funded human research trial using IV and integrative therapies in cancer patients. He founded Advanced Medical Therapies in Seattle, Washington, which is a clinic focusing on cancer and chronic diseases. Most of you have probably taken a class from him uh, in some way, shape, or form. And in this conversation I had with him, we talk about his background, how he got into naturopathic medicine, how he got to where he's at today. And we ended on a conversation around where naturopathic medicine is going and how doctors can build a practice that uh, will thrive and help patients as best as they possibly can. Without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Paul Anderson. Dr. Anderson, I so appreciate you hopping on the show today. Thanks for having me. So uh, you and I met uh, several years ago and, you know, COVID happened and all of the other stuff that, that occurred and we we're finally able to, to come together and, and get you on. So I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a while. So <laughs> thanks for, thanks for hang, holding out. <laughs> oh, no, no, my, my, my pleasure. So um. So, you know, as I interview and, and talk to many naturopathic doctors, I always enjoy, um, you know, the story behind why they became a naturopathic doctor, given if you were to choose the traditional doctor route versus the naturopathic doctor or integrative medicine route, like they're very two different routes. They're both very difficult, but I would say naturopathic medicine has a little bit more of a, maybe a myth that sometimes you have to overcome. And there's normally a, a more personal story to get into that. So I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, why did you become a naturopathic doctor? How did that come into play? Well, um, the, the shortest version of a really long story <laughs> is, um, so my, my father, uh, who, recently passed away in his 90s so he lived a very long life he uh had practiced as a allopathic physician his whole life uh, and he worked till he was about 86 so he was wow he, he uh he he loved what he did uh my mom was a nurse so i grew up and most of their friends were were mds or nurses or you know so i kind of grew up in that world uh and I had always planned on uh, just going to, you know, the standard allopathic route uh, mm-hmm. in, in my training. And I did, uh, so I did a lot of work in that direction. Also, um, I did a lot of work in uh, laboratories and clinical side of allopathic medicine uh, for a long time. I even owned my own laboratory before I went back to school and became an ND. So, part of it was just sort of marinating in, in that system. But the thing that I started to see, and I think, cause I had, I had a number of 
I won't call them false starts now because you learn from everything, but I had a number of starts at allopathic medical school. And then I would sort of, you know, something would come up and I'd have to delay or stop. But I think one of the things that, uh, that attracted me to naturopathic medicine uh, was sort of through two routes. One was I was looking at the world of allopathic medicine and how um, conformist you had to be and how you had to pretty much toe the line. And, and that was actually getting worse. And the, um, you know, the level of critical thinking that doctors were able to do was being minimized, at least in the majority of allopathic medicine and in, in exchange for sort of, you know, more protocol-based and, and uh, algorithm-based medicine, which there's nothing wrong with. But <clears throat> I, I knew myself and I knew that all, all that would happen there is I'd get in a lot of trouble uh, because that's not the way, you know, my, uh, my processing works. Mm -hmm. So um, a long time ago, uh, I, my, one of my children, my kids are all in their thirties and early forties. So <clears throat> one of the older kids, uh, was having some health problems and, um, my mother actually suggested, cause we were just getting nowhere with their, their pediatrician and stuff. Um, my mother suggested this naturopathic doctor she knew about, uh, who was kind of one of the old timers. And I thought, oh, naturopath, huh? That's interesting. Uh, and I, I had kind of looked into the profession earlier and knew a little bit about it, but not much really. So I thought, well, all right, I'll go see this guy. <clears throat> and um, he really, the short version is he really helped out the kids. And then I started seeing him and I was really, I was just impressed with his overall knowledge of medicine, but also kind of the way he, he wove together, uh, you know, standard medical knowledge and herbs and nutrients and all in all the stuff he was doing. <clears throat> so then I started to think, well, I could be that kind of doctor. I mean, that's literally what happened. Um, and so, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, um, I sold my, uh, my lab and a clinic I owned and stuff and, and, uh, went back to school at NCNM. Um, so a lot of what drove it was personal experience with naturopathy and also looking at, you know, this is a kind of medicine I probably would never get bored with. Uh, it, you know, it looks like you can, you know, use your own critical thinking powers to figure out stuff for people. Right. And, and that was sort of the beginning. Uh, so that's really how I got there. Yeah. So, so, you know, your, your child goes through this experience, you go through personally through this experience, you decide, okay, you want to be an ND, you go to school, you get out of school, what happens next? Like, you know, everyone, like, did you start your own practice? Did you join a practice? Like, what happens next for you? Yeah, so, and that part of the story is always sort of amusing to people now, but um, when I got out of school, it was long enough ago that there, um, there were, I think, so there was Bastyr and National College back then. And I think between the two schools, there was three, two or three residency positions. 
So it wasn't like common at all for the pathway to be, you go out and you do a residency, which now that we have these associated residencies with the schools, there's a lot more of those. And I think that's a really good pathway for people to go into. For me, it just, uh, I, I was offered one and, and, it, and honestly, the, I think the salary was $12,500 a year. <laughs> and I thought, geez, I, I could probably make that much money just starting a practice. Uh, <laughs> right, right. And so I turned the offer down and um, uh, start just started to practice on. So yeah, but you know, back then there was uh, maybe one residency out open and there was a handful of people I knew who went to work for another ND, but, but also NDs really weren't hiring NDs back then either. Mm. So it's just a whole different world than it is now. So pretty much you went into practice on your own one way or the other. Um, I did, you know, just full disclosure because I had five kids and a, and a wife to take care of. Uh, I had been teaching all the way through NCNM. I was actually on faculty at NCNM uh, throughout my time there. Um, and then I, I retained my faculty position after I graduated as a way to make money and pay the house payment. And then I worked at the uh, Oregon College of Oriental Medicine teaching. Uh, and so I had about two or three part-time teaching jobs while I started my practice uh, because whatever money I had from selling my prior businesses we used up when I was in school. So I kind of had to start fresh. Um, but that's, yeah, that's what I did. I started a private practice um, in Canby, Oregon. And uh, there was uh, one part-time naturopath there in town uh, and me uh, back in those days. And then I uh, opened a satellite office in Salem, Oregon which turned out to be the office that I kept because it was a little bit bigger town. Uh, and the weird thing, because back then there was really not a lot of insurance cover for nature paths, but the state of Oregon housed in Salem, Oregon, primarily, uh, they had a naturopathic equity coverage in, in their health insurance. So oh, really? it, it was, it was weird. It was just this one sort of, you know, unicorn situation. Yeah. And, uh, so we, and, and back then, you know, we're also talking about a long time ago, it was not the insurance environment it is now. It was the old good insurance environment where you actually could make money doing it and all that. So, so that was sort of how I started. Uh, and, um, and the Salem office really took off because the state workers really, you know, liked it. And there, there weren't, I think there were three nature paths in Salem back then. Uh, and so what was your area of practice? You know, um, so this always uh, surprises people because nowadays, you know, most of what I focus on is chronic illness and cancer. Right. In the beginning, uh, I really wanted to do mostly uh, primary care um, because, and again, back in those days, that was, you know, a little bit easier to do and, and a little easier to actually, you know, keep the doors open and make money doing it. So I kind of had um, primary care and then uh, orthopedic injections. Those were the two things I did a lot of. And I had a lot of work I did with chiropractors for referrals and stuff like that. So those were the areas. But honestly speaking, within the first year and a half to two years of practice, uh, people with cancer and other, you know, really horrible diseases started to find me because the there just wasn't anybody doing what I did. And, um, 
so then I had to decide, well, am, am I going to sort of shift the practice into this direction or, um, or turn these people away? And so that's really what started it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was gonna be my question. Like, how did you get into the the chronic illness and cancer? Yeah. Sounds, sounds like, how did you, did you just start to study that specific, those specific areas more and more, which had your name get out there? Like, how did your name get out there? How did you become the person for that? Yeah, I, you know, it wasn't, um, <clears throat> it wasn't really like I sat down and mapped out a strategy. Um, it, literally, people just started to find me. Um, because what I, what I found, and I, th I think it's still really similar, is if you started to help somebody, say, with fibromyalgia that no one was helping, or uh, a cancer patient that was really in bad shape, they knew other people with similar problems. Mm. And, um, and, and for legal reasons, I really, I didn't advertise much at all. I mean, and, and any advertising we did do was very vanilla sure. because a lot of the stuff I was doing wasn't, wasn't technically illegal, but it also wasn't maybe legal, but no one, you know, it hadn't been tested. So I, we didn't want to really bring a lot of attention to that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> And so essentially you, you started the, you were doing niche marketing before niche marketing became right, what it is right now, uh, back then. And you're just doing it uh, underground. It, if you will, it was, it was reverse, reverse niche marketing. So <laughs> it, it, we, I, I literally would tell people for certain things that we did now, um, this has got to just be between you and me. If you tell other doctors, we're all going to get in trouble. Mm. Um, and uh, so, in, and then I would, you know, certain procedures, I'd say, we, we don't use that word, you know, we, we call it something else. And, uh, and, and then they would tell their friends, and then the friends would come. So yeah, it was, it was very much that way. But it, but as I say, it was more, the patients all in, in my practice, the patients have always driven what I learned, you mm -hmm. know, and so in the first year of practice, like everybody notices they you know, you pass your boards, you get out of school, and you you know enough not to kill anyone. You have a few things you probably know really well and the rest you have to learn as you go on. You know, so the first year of practice, there was just a lot of basic stuff that I, I was, the learning curve was a little steep around sure. say hormone therapy and, you know, other stuff. And, uh, but as soon as I took this turn into chronic illness and cancer, uh, the learning curve was, was giant. Um, because, you know, if you go back to that time period, there was, um, you know, the Tahoma Clinic was well known. Um, there was a couple of other providers and, and maybe a couple of people spread around the country doing, you know, oncology or some of these other things. But it wasn't it wasn't like now where you could actually find people who are doing these things. So. Um, so the resources to learn about what to do were pretty much absent. Um, mm. you, you literally had to just put stuff together and, and there was a lot of sort of underground movement with it because again of the legal status. And, um, so it, it was, um, you know, the, just for people who are in the world of naturopathy or, or have been around it, um, you know, quote unquote, my generation we were the people who started, you know, the, uh, the FABNO group, the, the oncology specialty board, um, which interestingly, I 
I worked with all those people, but I never became part. I'm, I'm a part of the group, but sort of an outsider part of the group. But, but that's kind of the time period we're talking about. And part of that was literally because there was a small group of us who were doing cancer care and we would get together and share information. And then, you know, we thought, well, this would be really great if we started to <clears throat> put together something that's an educational you know, process for people. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to reinvent the wheel like we did. Um, so stuff like that was just really new. Um, but you know, what to do with chronically ill people, uh, or cancer patients there, there, you know, back in those days, the right gave seminars, they would do once a year and those were really good. Um, there was maybe one or two other things, but everything else was just little tiny pieces that you had to go pick up somewhere. Um, you know, and it, it was, it was a lot of work to put it together. Yeah, but I'm sure. The other side of it is because there was no practitioners essentially, you know, in the U S doing any of this, there was just this handful, everything was new and the patients kind of were okay with that. You know, it's, it's different now, three decades later, but, uh, <laughs> we're the good thing, right? Like we want, yeah. hopefully, we're glad yeah, it's, it's like, we're, <laughs> we, 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 we know more we're, we're teaching more and all that stuff. Yeah. So when did the, you know, you are really uh, well known in, you know, with, you know, speaking and, and educate education and collaboration, like when did that transition in, in your practice and in your career? How did that all come about? Yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I think on honestly, when, especially when you go back far enough, it always seems like people had these, you know, master plans that really worked out the way they did. And, and a lot of times it's just sort of life hands you a particular thing and, and, uh, and that's what you do. Now I had prior to the world of naturopathy and uh, all through the days of working in the allopathic world, I had always taught. And so I had taught uh, some at, you know, the university level, some at the technical level and, mm -hmm. and some at like, you know, local group level. And I, uh, I'd always enjoyed teaching. So, like I said, when I, when I went to NCNM, I was all, also a faculty member there in the basic science department. Um, so teaching was something originally, um, <clears throat> so prior to NCNM, you know, I, I'd, I'd been teaching a lot throughout NCNM. I taught, you know, at the school. And then, like I said, at other schools. Um, so the education thing sort of evolved from there to, then I started doing, uh, all of the board exam reviews for, uh, for naturopathic doctors started that in 1994, um, and did I did that live, meaning I traveled to most all the schools uh, for 20 years. Um, and then I started to put that online. And then eventually <clears throat> I took all those online courses and made them free for the naturopathic students. So they're available. Um, so what that did, which I was not thinking of at the time, because I was just providing a service to the schools and making a little extra money, what it really did is there's, you know, there's a 20 year group of, or well now more, <laughs> but, but a close to 30 year group of people now who have probably taken a class from me because they, they were all students at one point. So your people start to recognize your name and then eventually, you know, you start to be asked to speak at things, et cetera. So that, that was sort of the trajectory there. And it, it was, um, you know, it was a number of years before I, I spoke at very much 
you know, beyond the, the university level. Um, and then that, you know, once you start doing something, then it, it snowballs. So uh, interestingly, be, because of some of the things that I would teach about and specialize in, I started to get noticed, uh, you know, kind of beyond the naturopathic world and some of the, the allopathic integrative groups, which were not very friendly in the olden days to naturopaths, started to invite me to speak and, you know, kind of uh, open some doors that way. And, you know, so that, that was sort of the trajectory of how I got into that. But I, I think if you don't like doing it, it I, there's no way I would have done it for this long. Uh, if I didn't enjoy teaching, so that I think that's the that's the biggest. That'd be difficult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, be difficult yeah. If you if you that. don't like teaching, it'd be really rough. Yeah, or writing. Yeah, would be a very fun life if you're doing something you absolutely mm-hmm. hate for thirty years. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so I'm curious. You know, a lot has changed over time in the naturopathic medicine and even integrative medicine, right? When when you're talking about the allopathic world with the with the naturopathic world. Um, where do you see it as today? I, on my end of things, and I'm not a naturopathic doctor, so I don't see it all, but outside looking in, it looks like it's starting to, it's starting to coordinate, but there's still a long way to go, at least on, on outside looking in. What, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the easiest thing to see is that it's, it's just in a completely different place as a profession and uh, for a number of reasons than it was, you know, even 15 years ago. Um, and I, I think that that's a function of a couple of things. One is um, if you consider, uh, you know, when I graduated, I was told that there was in the United States, there was something like 390 or 400 and some naturopaths in all the whole country. Uh, you know, we graduate more people than that every year now, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and of those, say, 400 doctors, probably half were practicing. Um, so, so back then, you had this phenomenon of, you know, unless someone knew what you were, they really, they'd never heard of you as a profession. And, uh, <clears throat> and that can be good because you get to define what you are, you know, whereas now I think part of what you see is... Um, although we have registration or licensure in about 20 states, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and most of Canada, uh, there's a lot more practitioners. Uh, and so generally, unless you're in an area where there's no licensure and, you know, a couple nature paths spread out, people are starting to hear of us. Uh, you know, I, I made the example of some of the integrative, you know, allopathic groups. We're much more integrated in, into that scene than we used to be too. You know, it used to be we were actually barred from some of those groups, and then it was you can attend, but you can't be a member, and you know the whole thing. Right. Um, so, so all of that's changed quite a bit to the degree that many of the integrative groups now, you know, have naturopathic doctors as part of their boards and you know stuff like that. So I think part of it is just people, um, uh, kind of a collusion of two forces. One is a larger amount of practitioners and knowledge. And then just in, in the years I've been practicing, the shift in the mental set of the patient going from, well, my doctor knows best. And if, if they would have 
wanted me to do integrative or alternative therapies, they would have told me and, mm. you know, the, and I'm really afraid to, you know, get, go against what my doctor wants. Now it's more people for better or worse, look at the doctor as one opinion in their healthcare. And so, and, and a lot of that is not that they don't trust whoever their primary care person is. It's just that they know there's other things available, you know, whether it's, you know, acupuncture and, and oriental medicine or, uh, you know, traditional herbal medicine or a bigger picture naturopathy. And I think what made naturopathy grow a lot is we had the ability ability to do multiple modalities, you know, so someone was interested in, uh, uh, you know, a hydrotherapy approach to something or, or in many states, an acupuncture approach or IVs or uh, herbal medicine or whatever. So people started to see, well, we could go to this one practitioner and probably get a lot of options. So I think it's those two factors, you know, change in the the way people look at medicine, the way they look at the hierarchical structure of medicine, and then just enough of us in the world to actually uh, see the patients. <laughs> it, it's interesting you bring that up, especially from the patient side of stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, my, my, my son had a stroke in utero. And the reason I got involved in working with naturopathic doctors was uh, we were dealing with a, a neurologist at the time and, and, you know, several other doctors on the allopathic side. And when, you know, his right arm, it was up, right. Because it, it because of the stroke, his, he would walk with a kind of a hiccup in his, in his walk and his right arm was not as functional as his left. And we were trying to work on that. And when the doctor said, oh, well, let's maybe put some Botox in your son's arm to straighten it. And it was one of the first things that they, they offered. It, it hit me over that. I just didn't like that first approach. I thought there might be a more <laughs> holistic, natural approach yeah. to this. And my mother said, Hey, you should go see a naturopathic doctor and, and, and more integrated type, type of approach. And I had a, a, a bunch of myths in my head about what naturopathic doctors did. Um, and, you know, luckily my mother kept pushing me and, and we, saw not about the doctor and my son's he's thriving now. I mean, the kid goes out and plays basketball. It's, it's crazy, but you, you mentioned, you know, the patient's learning that you don't have to take what the doctor says. You can actually like reach out and, and there's other doctors out there and there's other ways out there. It, it never crossed my mind that, you know, 30 years ago, I probably would have said, okay, let's put Bot Botox may not been offered back then, but you get my point. Like I would have said, okay, sure. Without thinking right. twice. Right. Yeah. Be because, you know, partly uh, it's the way most of us thought, you know, back then. And, and the other was you, you may not have ever ran into a, a naturopathic doctor, you know, just, it would have been hard for you to find one uh, or even know, you know, know what, what they did. Uh, and I was the same way when I, you know, started to take my kids to the naturopathic doctor we used. Um, I was, I wasn't against it. I just, I just had all these ideas about what they were and what they weren't. And because I hadn't, you know, I was uneducated. Um, yep. And, uh, and I think that one of the good things about our numbers being larger and the associations being present and larger is we can do a better job of just educating the public. This is, this is what we do. This is where, you know, where our lane is or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, it's part of the reason I started this podcast is okay. How do I help the NDs? 
thrive financially speaking, as well as, you know, not just financially, but in, in mm-hmm. the practice, because I figure if their practice is doing really well, that's going to push the message that much further. Yeah. And so that's, that's yeah. really where all this came from. Yeah. I, I got one more question for him because I, I know we're strapped for time here, but it, if I'm an naturopathic doctor right now, and I'm listening to this, one of my questions I think would, would be for you is, you know, what do you see NDs should be focusing maybe more on, or maybe less on to help them in their practice and help push this message? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, literally that's the million dollar question, like a literal million dollar question. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, I, I think that occurs on a number of levels, like, you know, how, you know, how, how you're going to proceed and, you know, and live and make money and all of that stuff. Cause we all have to pay the rent and eat and, you know, and all that. Um, I think that some of the things have, have really not changed since the old days. And, you know, that is um, if you are starting out on your own, I mean, unless you have unlimited money, in which case this may not apply to you. Uh, but if you're starting out on your own, which many people still do, um, what I had learned from other businesses was, you know, keep your overhead as low as you possibly can. It's much better to grow out of a place uh, and have to move to a bigger place than, you know, than to uh, that downsize. Right. The other way around. Um, you know, uh, and, and all of that stuff, sort of basic business stuff, I think is terribly important. And, and if you're working for someone else, um, a lot of that, uh, cause I've been on both sides of that equation is, uh, do your due diligence and, you know, know how you're being compensated, all that stuff. Um, but I, I think the part that's very critical that I have seen repeatedly with people is being a naturopathic doctor, you have the option to do so many things. And some people are very eclectic and do lots of stuff. That was sort of the way I went about it. Some people are just the way their brain works. They're very drawn to, you know, I really like these modalities and probably these kind of patients, which is great too. So first know yourself, you know. Um, and then the next thing though, is that you really, um, and I, I had this happen to myself. I, I, I thought, well, I'm going to probably see these kind of patients. This is before I'd seen a lot of patients. And so I'll be ready for that. And what happened to me was, those patients never came in, you know, it was people with cancer and people with, you know, weird chronic stuff that required like a lot of outside the box thinking. And I realized, well, a, I actually like that it's intellectually stimulating and B I'm learning enough to help those people. So one of the things that I've seen people uh, struggle business and financial wise is if they're really trying to shoehorn a particular type of practice into existence when that's not the type of patients they're going to mm-hmm. attract. Um, and, and it, it's not that you, you know, can't certainly do what you like and all that, but it tends to match up at a certain point, the stuff that your brain is good at and the stuff that, you know, you're good at doing are really the patients that you're going to attract. And then that, that's sort of an exponential, uh, process. And that's how it was. I mean, my, practice i've had practice in oregon arizona and and washington over all those years and i never had a problem having enough patients it was the you know i had the other problem um and and i 
believe that was largely because I just, I stayed in the lane that my, you know, kind of the way my mind works and what I like doing. Uh, and, and I do think that that's, you know, in the beginning, you kind of have to maybe be a jack of all trades and figure that out. But, but really, you know, staying in your, in your zone. Um, and if you don't know what that is, kind of knowing yourself, but also just watching who, who comes in to see me. Uh, Cause there's, there's reasons people find you. You know, a lot of times it's, un, you know, kind of underground. It's just people talking to other people and, you know, people you didn't think you even helped are just so amazed that you listened to them, you know, or you, you know, and you probably helped them more than you thought um, that they can be your best referral sources. But I really think, you know, being in the zone of what you're good at and what you, what, what you attract to yourself, uh, that's the basis for at least having enough patience then to make decisions about what money, you know, what you're going to do with your money. Yeah. No, I love that answer. I mean, it, you know, financial planning, building my practice, and I've, I've noticed building a naturopathic doctor practice, it's very similar from the standpoint of attracting clients or patients, mm-hmm. you're right, same, same, but but being attuned to A, what it is you're good at, and B, why your clients are coming to see you or your patients are coming to see you, because yeah. it's very yeah. easy to get so narrow-minded that you forget that, and maybe you should pay more attention, which will help the message and your practice get out there. So I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Dr. Anderson, I so appreciate your time. Um, I, uh, this, this was, this was good. You know, I've been, I was looking forward to having this conversation with you and really getting an understanding of where you came from and, and how this all comes about. I always enjoy these types <laughs> of conversations. So thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you. All right. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License number 153 CA Insurance License Number 0K24924 Alexander Collins AR Insurance License Number 7264699 CA Insurance License Number 0H24806 
Endpoint number 2022-143237. Expiration September 2024.